0: Today we're going to start a new series, um, and we're going to walk through a series that's called um, Hunger, and so this morning I want to share with you something that's kind of been burning in my heart for a long time, and as I've been preparing for this and reading on this and and getting ready for it, it was interesting because every uh, Monday morning and Thursday morning at 6.30, there's people that gather and pray right in this room, and so if you wanted to be a part of that, feel free. Um, It starts at 6.30 in the morning, we go to about 7.30, sometimes a little bit later, But in that moment, we pray by ourselves all throughout this room, and then at the end of it, we all come together and we sit kind of right up here in the center, and and I always ask the same question. I ask the question of, what is God saying? What do you sense? What do you feel the Holy Spirit's talking about? Something worded that way. And for the last few months, um, the people who were praying, they just kept talking about uh, Scripture, and they talked about books that they are reading, all had to do with hungering after God. And I sat there quietly just taking notes because they didn't know what I was working on. And I didn't want to tell them what I was working on because I didn't want to taint what they were saying. And so it was just neat for me that as I was preparing for this, that other people's hearts were on the same page. And then this morning as I spoke about it, some other people were just coming up to me and saying, this was on my heart, this verse was on my heart. And I just pray and believe this morning that this is going to stir in your heart, that you're going to believe that this is speaking to you. And my heart as a pastor and as a leader is that you will stir up a hunger that shifts your lifestyle, that shifts the way you live and do life, because you want to draw deeper in a relationship with God. You want to push farther in with him. And it's not, it's not about attending church. It's about knowing Jesus. It's not about a religion. It's about knowing Jesus. And what we have to understand is I'm not here to teach you a deep theological lesson I'm here for you to encounter the Lord. My heart is not for you to walk out of here and be able to, um, you know, have a theological debate with your neighbor. I think you should understand the Bible. I think you should understand those things. But my heart is that you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus that transforms your life. That it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. It's about understanding who the Father is. And that's my heart's desire. That is my desire to help you. And this, this verse sums it up for me in a little bit. It says, Ephesians 1, 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The New Revised Standard Version changes a few words and it says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. As you come to know him. As you, as you read this, you realize it's that we may know him better. It's not that we have knowledge of him. It's not that we um, can tell you things about him, but we know him. See, Miles is Miles in the room, and he, he turned 10 this week, but when we named him, his middle name is Michael, and his middle name is Michael because I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. That's why his name is Michael. There's no spiritual. It's not about the No, it's about Jordan, the basketball player. I wanted, I wanted his name to be Jordan Michael McLaren. Melissa said no, and so he's Miles. But I want to tell you something. I'm a, I'm a big Jordan fan, so I can tell you tons of things about Jordan. I can tell you stats. I can tell you things about his life. I can tell you his childhood. I can tell you why he stuck his tongue out. I can tell you all these details, but I want to tell you something. If you happen to meet Michael Jordan, first off, totally jealous. <laughs> I'll pray about it. Don't worry. But Totally jealous. But if you ever met him and said to him, my pastor knows you, he'll say, oh, what's his name? And you'll say, Chad McLaren. And he'll say, I have no idea who that person is. And I'll tell you, I don't know him. I don't know him. I have knowledge about him. I've read books about him. I've read articles about him. I've watched him online but I've never met him. And the thing that scares me as as your pastor, the thing that scares me as a a leader, is that you're here today, and you know about Jesus. You have knowledge of him. You, You know more scripture than anybody else, but you have no idea who Jesus is. And that if you went and stood before him, or I went before him and I said, do you know, oh, you know so-and-so. They attend the church and Jesus says, I don't know him. I don't know her. My fear is that you have a lot of knowledge, but you don't know who God is. And through this series, the idea, the goal, the, my desire is at the end of this series, you have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. That you know who he is and he knows who you are. You spend time with him. Because see, the definition of know is first to be aware through observation, inquiring, or information. I believe this is where some of us are. I believe that we have an understanding and knowledge to be aware by observing and information. But the second one is this, have developed a relationship with someone Through meeting and spending time with them to be familiar or friendly with. Look at that second one. Have developed a relationship with someone through meeting and spending time with them to be familiar or friendly with. Friendly with them. You ever thought with your walk with God to become familiar but friendly? Friendly with God, friendly with the Holy Spirit, in a relationship that you know one another that's developed over time by spending time. Bill Johnson, in his book, Face to Face with God, he writes this on page 14. He says, The heart to seek God is birthed in us by God himself. It grows within us as we become exposed to God's nature. He creates an appetite in us for himself, by lavishing us with the reality of his goodness, his irresistible glory. It was birthed in us by God. This desire, this grow to go deeper with him. Some people, you might be in the room right now you've never been to church before. Or you've been serving God for a long time, but you just feel like there's more. You're searching and you're trying to figure it out and you've looked so many different places and you're still feeling this like emptiness. I want you to tell you, just I want to tell you that emptiness was placed there by God so that you would come to know Him. And you will never feel fulfilled until you have a relationship with Him. That's why sometimes believers, you have a hard time, we have a hard time understanding why we can serve God and still feel like there's more. It's because to go deeper with God, there is more. To never be satisfied, to always hunger for more of God, and see, here's the thing: a lot of some of our small groups are going through a a series by John Bevere on the Holy Spirit, and he actually talks about how, um, as Pentecostals, we always want more of the Spirit, more of the Spirit, more of the Spirit, and he actually throws out a challenging comment. He says, "You should have more of the Spirit, but to have more of the Spirit, you need less of yourself." So maybe some of us, we actually don't need more of the Spirit. Understand me, the theological ones in the room that just got upset that you actually need less of yourself. So the Holy Spirit has more room to come in. That's the same reason I think sometimes if we're full with bitterness, it's hard to get closer to God. If we're full with pride, if we're full with knowledge, if we're, we're full of ourselves, it's hard to get close to God. But see, here's the thing. It's birthed in us to expose us to God's nature, it creates an appetite inside of us. See, this morning, as Pastor Melissa had people raise their hand of who saw a mountain move before, who saw a mountain move before. And you raised your hand, you've seen God move in your life. It's a testimony for everybody around you know that God still moves. And He will still move in your life. He will still change things in your life. And for those in the room who are non-believers, you look and see hands raised and go, That's what I'm missing. That is what I desire in my in my life. See, I love the fact, the way Bill Johnson says it was birthed in us by God. Because Jeremiah one five says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This verse, it's interesting that it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So he knew you before You were even in the womb. Before you were conceived, he knew you. I told a story a few months ago about um, Sean Bolt. He's a prophet and he speaks and he was speaking in Australia one time. And he said he got up and he started uh, to give out words of knowledge. So he's calling out names in the rooms and some dates to try to get people so he can prophesy over their lives. And he said he started and he listed off about five different things. And all five failed. Not once. Didn't get anybody. And so he said he was just speaking before Bill Johnson, so he quickly prayed, passed it over Bill, and went and sat down going, what happened? A year later, he tells a story. He was speaking in the States, and he was driving to the place, and he said, God, what do you want me to share? And he walks into the place. He still doesn't feel like he has anything, and he just feels the Holy Spirit say, do you remember those words from Australia? And he says he was kind of talking with the Holy Spirit, and he was like, you mean the ones that really failed? Yeah, and he looks at his iPad and it's still there and he's like, yeah, they're still here. Use those. And he's like, they already failed once. Use those. So the first people, he calls off two people by the names and I forget what else and they ended up, they're sitting just over here kind of off to his side and they were grandparents. And the word that he had written down a year earlier was about their grandkids. Now here's the neat thing. He asked if they were grandparents and they said, yeah, our first grandson was born two weeks ago. And he called them by name. Sean Boltz did. He said, grandson's name is this. Now, for those the ones in the room that are difficult with math, a year is 12 months. To conceive and birth a child is 9 months. Which mathematically then, Sean Boltz knew the name, God gave him the name of the grandson before the grandson was even conceived. So he knew you. Before you're in the womb. That is why there is a desire in you for for the Holy Spirit. There's a desire in you for relationship with the Lord. That is why there's this burning inside of you that there's more. Because he knew you. He knew you. How many else freaked out that he knew your name before your parents did? Anybody? Just me? Right? Like this is the concept of who God is. He knows everything about you. And because of that, he wants you to know everything about him. This is the desire. Yes, he knew you too. It's true. (laughs) Psalms 38 says this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord you his holy people for those who fear him lack nothing the lions may grow weak and the, and hungry but those who seek the lord lack no good thing if you seek the lord you will lack no good thing if you fear him you will lack nothing now understand when we say when the bible says lack nothing and will lack no good thing that doesn't necessarily mean that you will get everything you want I want my kids to go without wants, but that does not mean they get candy every time they ask. Amen? Sorry, buddy. But we say amen in that theory, in that concept. But when God says no to us, do we understand that it's out of knowledge and love? Whatever it is that you're desiring, whatever it is, maybe he looks and goes, with too much of that, you get a little hyper. Too much of that's not good for you because I know more than you do. Do we say amen then? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard when we're like, God, this is really what I'm looking for. This is really what I need. I don't know about you, but I can follow the voice of the Lord when he's in agreement with me. When I want to buy something, when I want to get something, when I want to go somewhere, when I pray and the Lord says, go for it, man, I hear the voice of God so clearly but anybody else have a hard time hearing God when He says no? Anybody feel like I should probably pray again? I'm a little blurry. <laughs> you know what? I haven't spent as much time with him. I should pray and fast till he says yes right like it's It's challenging, but he knows better, but will we still trust Him? See the interesting thing here is when it says "taste and see," it says. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. See, refuge means a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. When you take refuge in him, when you allow him to look after you, he will protect you from these things. So in those moments where you're running late, in those moments where you're in the line to check out and you're looking at your watch and you're like, I gotta get out of here. And the person in front of you forgets their credit card or their debit card and now they're trying to figure it out and they just, oh, I forgot one item. Can I run and get it? And they look at you and like, do you mind? And you know you're a Christian and you're like, I think I saw this person at church, so of course I don't mind. You go right ahead. I'm gonna kill somebody right now. I just gotta get out of (laughs) here. You don't realize... That maybe God is holding you up so you avoid an accident. But see, here's the dilemma. On the way home, you're driving home and there was no accident. So now you're more confused. Sometimes we have to thank God for the unseen. In those moments where we didn't, God held us up, He stopped us, He caused a disturbance in our lives. But because of that disturbance, he allowed us to avoid a circumstance. And in that moment, we have to thank God for unseen circumstances. Nothing happened because he stopped it. And we have to trust him in those times where we are in danger or in trouble. We need to, in the scriptures, it goes down here and it talks about, we always quote the verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. But the very next verse starts off, Really different. Fear the Lord. Taste and see that he's good. Fear him. Seems very different. But see, my understanding of fear the Lord is fear his opinion over anybody else's. I don't know about you, but you probably make a lot of decisions due to the person sitting beside you. Or around you. Or somebody in your life that influences you, and you're worried about their opinion, you're worried about what they think, you're worried about what they're gonna do, and you want to impress them, you don't wanna disappoint them, you don't wanna fail them, so you make decisions on their thought pattern, their opinion over God's. Now, what if you worried more about God's opinion than their opinion? That's what I believe fear the Lord means. I need to fear what He says more than what you think. Because those that seek the Lord lack no good thing. Larry Crabby is an author and he writes that we need to yield control over what happens in our lives and trust God to do whatever he thinks best. Until we develop a taste for God, we prefer a better life of blessings from God over a better hope of intimacy with him. We prefer control over trust. There are too many times in my life where I probably prefer control over trust. We want control. We want a better life and blessings from God more than intimacy with him. I know as Christians, our first thought pattern is, no, no, that's not what we want, but what if we recorded your prayer for a week? Every time you prayed, you took time to spend time with God and recorded your prayers. At the end of the week, if we did a calculation on how many thanks you gave and how many requests you gave, what would work out more? Do we want blessing or intimacy? I challenge you this week, here's what I'd like to see you do. When you're praying, just thank God, thank God, thank God for all the blessings in your life. You're not sure, one, you woke up this morning, took a deep breath. There's people that didn't. You were able to get out of bed, get dressed, and come here. There's people that couldn't. This morning, in our country, at this moment, we get to worship the Lord freely. There's a lot of people that can't. These are all things that we should just be thankful for. And then my challenge for you is this, the only thing that you're allowed to ask God for is his heart. God, show me your heart for my life. God, show me your heart for my neighbor. Help me see your heart. And just see how your week goes, asking for his heart to see around instead of his hand. Most of us pray for his hand. Most of us pray for needs, which I understand we have needs. But do your needs trump his heart? Because we've all gone through the stages with our children when all they do is ask and ask and ask and want and want and want and want. And deep down you're just like, just say I love you once. And how many times does the Lord just want us to sit with him and just be like, Father, you're amazing. I have so many things. You are incredible. When was the last time we took time We need to yield control. Yield control to God shows trust. The more that we can give him control, it shows the more we trust him. This will make our lives feel more alive. I don't know about you, but my life, the way I serve Jesus, I don't believe serving Jesus is meant to be boring. It's not meant to be boring. If your life serving Jesus is boring, can I challenge you and just say it straight out? I don't think you're doing it right. It's not meant to be boring. We're supposed to be alive. We're supposed to enjoy life. Your neighbors should look at you and be like, they are so happy, I'm missing something. We forget the fact that it's called the joy of our salvation. The excitement Having a relationship with God should bring love into our life. We should have a hop in your step. You should be excited. Ephesians 2, starting at verse 4 says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us dead with Christ. Even when we were dead, no, sorry, made us alive with Christ. So sorry, sorry. I was just watching you guys. I'm so sorry. Man, reading. I'm diff- you guys, you know me well enough. Reading is hard. Made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. There's nowhere there that says boring. Nowhere. Some of us, I think we forget that it's by grace you've been saved. You know what that means? None of us deserve it. None. I don't care how good you are. I don't care who your parents are. None of us. None of us deserve it. Here's what I believe with our walk with God I believe that our walk with God is supposed to be exciting. I believe that your coworkers who are not saved are supposed to look at you and be like, man, your life is exciting. And when I say exciting, I'm not just meaning like, hey, when was the last time you prayed for somebody for healing in the grocery store and they got healed? I'm not talking about just that. I'm talking about when was the last time you grabbed a bunch of people and just went go-kart driving? When was the last time a bunch of you just went bowling? When was the last time you just grabbed a bunch of friends and all of a sudden you went somewhere and started throwing axes? Preferably a place that does it so it's safe. Husbands and wives, mostly probably husbands, maybe some wives. When was the last time a neighbor could be walking by your house, looked in your front window, and just because you love each other, they saw you dancing in the living room? It got really quiet there. I know, dancing leads to things. But you're married. I hope it does. few people, Amen. Gentlemen, wake up. Where are you? I hope it leads to it. No amens from any man in the room. Guys, start dancing with your wives. But when was your neighbors, they should look at your marriage and go, they have fun together. They should see us laughing. When was the last time you had a belly laugh? And you know what I mean. It's not a sympathy chuckle to one of my jokes. It's like deep down laughing where your tears are coming down your face. Most Christians I see, I've said this before and I mean it the nicest way. It doesn't sound nice at all, but I try to make it sound nice. None of our non-believing friends want to become Christians because we look miserable. You should come serve Jesus with me. You look miserable. We should have the fullest life. He did it so he made us alive with Christ. Be alive. Have the joy of your salvation inside of you. See, Jesus himself says in 10, John 10.10, 10, the thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it half possibilities. No, no. Have it abundantly. Have it to the fullest. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Have excitement in your life. Love Jesus. Have a relationship with him. And when you have a connection with him, there's a joy that comes in your life. There's a part of you that will make you laugh. There's a part that, yes, there's still stresses in life. But for some reason, when you're in the right place with God, you can laugh at those stresses because you trust him. You trust him. Bill Johnson says this in the book Face to Face with God. He says, and the truth is this, that the degree to which we perceive the face of God corresponds directly to the degree of our yieldedness. To the transforming work of the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ. The question for every believer is did this last time. I thought it was on two slides. There it is. It's in the middle. The question for every believer is whether we will be satisfied only with only a partial transformation or whether we will be so captivated by who he is that we will allow him to kill everything in us that would inhibit us from becoming a mature manifestation of Christ. The question for every believer is whether you will be satisfied with only a partial transformation. Do you realize the Bible talks about us when we get to heaven receiving a full reward? Do you understand that if there was one reward, God, Jesus Himself, would just say, When you get to heaven, there's a reward waiting. But He says you could receive a full reward. Do you know what that tells me? That there's a half reward. I know. I'm usually a half glass half full guy. But there is like you can receive a full reward. Well, that means there's half reward. We see it with the the talents. The, when the master gave his servants the talents one four, one two, and one one and he says, go and use them. And the guy with four, he multiplied it. Am I doing the math right? Was it four or five? I'm just jumping now. Five, thank you. I knew that was wrong. You know how your brain's like that was wrong. It's just, Don't worry. Things happen. So He took five, he turned it into ten. The one took two and turned it into four. They were both told the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. So don't look around comparing to each other. Be faithful with what you have. It was the one who was given one that went and buried it and did nothing with it that got rebuked. So whatever God has given you, if you feel you have five, use them. If you feel you have two, use them. If you feel like you've only got one, use it. And he will, you will multiply it and God will bless you with more. But we have to just begin to use things for God and walk with him and make the decision to not be satisfied. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. All of it. Every part of your heart. All that you have. See, I believe that everybody in this room, you've given God your heart. But majority of us haven't given it all to Him. We haven't given it all. If we're truly honest, there's certain parts of our lives where we still haven't given full control over. And see, God wants to be all in our hearts. So we're going to do a quick illustration. Sorry, still in the chair. Not really sorry. Just taking it. All right, I need some, I'm going to use guys, I apologize. I need like five or six guys to volunteer, and if you don't volunteer, you'll be voluntold. Uh, Luke, you don't want to, big guys, so like a little bit. Yeah, Eric, that's a good call. Eric should come up. Steve, come on up. Who else? Chad, that's, thanks for volunteering. Anybody on this side want to volunteer? Hey, Damien, your wife volunteered you. Come on up. Jake, your wife volunteered you. Come on up. That's five. You know what? Why not one more? Somebody who wants to volunteer. Nick said he wanted to? Nick, sorry, come on up, <laughs> man. That's good, that's good. Actually, Pastor Carlo did a great job. So Pastor Carlo, why don't you come on up here too? He did a great job in the last service. Why don't you grab a seat, Pastor Carlo? You have no idea how exciting this was in the first service, and to know I get to do it again is just more exciting. So here's the thing. In our lives, in our heart, we all have a throne that God wants to sit on. And it's in our heart. He's supposed to be the king. He's supposed to rule in our lives. The difficulty is we put more things on our hearts. Now, understand me. Not all these things are bad. When we think of some stuff, we think of, and I'm being honest. Let's think about this truthfully. I'm not trying to be rude. But sometimes it's our spouse. Sometimes our spouse becomes before God, and that's not the order that God ordained it. What about our kids and family or work and friends and hobbies and money? These are the things that come before God. So, Chad, I'm going to choose you. Okay, you're going to be second. Pastor Carlo, just for the moment. Pastor Carlo is the spouse. Oh, yeah. Chad, you're going to be the kid. So can you sit on his lap? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Who wants next? <laughs> Damien, you want next? Damien, you're going to be one of the kids. Or no, he's the kid. So you're going to be the family. So, find a way to sit on the chair. Eric, you want to be work? You grab a seat. Steve, you be friends. You be hobbies. You be money. Come on up. Everybody grab a seat. Grab a seat on the chair somehow. You can even get adventurous, but somehow sit on the chair. Everybody good? Everybody's good? So, if this was, if this is your heart, do you understand? Because guess who's not there yet? Guess who's not here yet? I haven't even talked about Jesus. I haven't even talked about Jesus. Now, ladies in the room. Oh, you're all right. Grab a seat. chip. Oh, he's okay. He volunteered last service. (laughs) Jason, will you come and be God? You have the force with you. It's good. Isaac laughed at you. No, no, this is God. So now realize, I'm sure if I asked Jason to try to get on here, he would. But we're not (laughs) going (laughs) to. But for illustration's sake, there's no way that he can get in here. Yeah, all the guys, all right, let's let Pastor Carlo live and let him up for a sec. So everybody stay here for a sec, stay on the stage, everybody stay on the stage. Pastor Carlo, can you get up? <laughs> so Jay, can you come and sit for a minute? Actually, let's pull the chair out just a little bit for this. It was moving a little bit? That's okay, we got more in the back. No, no one's sitting on you. Now here's what happens in life. Jesus is where he's supposed to be, but if we're all honest with life, the rest of the things don't go away, right? This is the struggle in our lives, but here's what I want to show you. If God is in the right place, will you guys just come and kind of circle around the chair? This is what happens. If God is in the right place, all the other things come into a line. Does this not look a little more organized than what we saw before? There are so many people, and I heard up here, and more comfortable. There are so many people in this room right now that we will say our life is out of balance. We will say there's chaos. How do I put Jesus where he's supposed to be when I have all these other things? If you put Jesus there first, everything else will find its place. The dilemma is in our priorities. Jesus is last, and all of these are first. So when we make the choice, and we seek him with all of our heart, and we place him here first, everything else will come into place. Is it that easy? No, I understand that. And there's weeks of craziness. But if you schedule God, I know it sounds unspiritual, but if you put him in the calendar first, if you say, I will not leave my house until I spend time with God, guess what? You will wake up earlier. If you make the decision, as Bill Johnson said, it is up to us to make the choice that Jesus needs to be where he is and then everybody else. Can we give these guys a quick hand? Thanks, guys. Bill Johnson writes in Defining Moments, page 73, he says, Hunger indeed affects our conduct dramatically. And there really isn't a hunger that can be compared to an all-consuming passion for God. It is anything but casual. Such hunger changes our value system and alters what we think about, making us willing to risk everything to satisfy it. This passion impacts our sleep, our friendships, our leisure activities, our money, and absolutely everything. The life of D.L. Moody profoundly illustrates this reality. It was the kind of hunger that paved the way for this good but average minister to become one of the greatest evangelists who ever lived. But it wasn't the hunger itself that changed him. It was the hunger that attracted the divine encounter the defining moment that altered everything about his life. It was the hunger that led to that defining moment where he encountered the Holy Spirit and received an empowerment that changed his life. Many of us want a deeper relationship with God, but we haven't made the choice. As I said before, go bowling, go go go-karting, chuck some axes, Go have some fun. Dance with your spouse. Enjoy life. God wants us to. I really do. I really believe he wants us to. But only if he's sitting here first. I have no problem going to play sports. I have no problem putting my family and my kids in sports and having fun with life and enjoying life together. But I have to be determined that God goes first. And if my hunger, my desire is that he sits there first, it will change the way I live my life. It will change the impact of my life. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And the verse we already read, but Jeremiah 29:13, if you seek me and find me, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So, this morning I have four questions for you. The first question is this Would you say your spiritual life is focused more on knowing God Himself or knowing about Him? Would you believe, would you say that your spiritual life is focused more on knowing God Himself, knowing Him as a person, or knowing about Him? Question number two Do you prefer control over trust? Question number three Do you have too many things on your chair? This is a big one. Do you have too many things on your chair? There's no room for God. Question number four Do you want to have life and have it abundantly? We're going to pray. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. As they come, I'm going to ask these questions again. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. I want you to raise your hand for these ones. And I just want you to be honest with yourself. So prayer team, if you can come, and if I can just get every eyes closed in the room, I'm just going to ask you these questions a little bit differently. But how many people in the room right now, how many of you want to know God? If that's you, just raise your hand. You want to know Him. You want to know Him as a person. Now, how many here, hands down, do you want to hand over control and trust him more? You know there's areas that you've got to let go of. If that's you, raise your hand nice and high. Again, eyes closed through the room just for privacy. And my last question for you. Do you have to clean off your chair so God is the only one on it? If that's you knowing, you've got to rearrange your priorities and God has to come first. If that's you, just raise your hand up. I just want to pray with you. Okay, hands can come down. I understand that as I ask these questions that I'm going to have a response. I want you to know this isn't a try-to-get responses. This is, I know that this is reality in life and what I need you to do is confess it yourself. So here's what we're going to do. In a minute, I'm going to get you to stand. Don't stand yet, but you can still hear me. And then I'm going to close in prayer. But there are people at the front right now that are wanting and willing to pray with you. If you raise your hand, saying, these are the things that I need to change in my life, can I just challenge you in a moment, just say, you've done life this much, this far, the way you have Most of us in the room, if we are believers, what we've done, the way we live our lives, the the fact that different people are on the throne and it's not God and things are messed up and we have control and we're not letting go, this is not something that you can raise your hand to and say, I'm good. You need somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to agree with you. You need somebody to help you in this decision. So I'm going to encourage you to come and receive prayer from somebody at the front. Here's the cool thing with the people at the front. They just want to pray with you. They don't talk to each other afterwards. They don't talk to family members afterwards. They don't talk to me afterwards. And the cool thing with God is when they walk away from here, they usually forget what they prayed about. It's just the way the Holy Spirit works. And so this is a safe place. And so if I'm just going to get everybody to stand now, I'm going to close in prayer. But while I'm praying, I know a lot of people feel like while somebody's praying, you can't move. But while I'm praying, even right now, Come. Receive prayer. Let them pray with you. Don't worry about me talking. Don't worry about me praying. They are here to pray with you. So please come ahead and receive prayer. And I'm just going to close our service. So, Father, I thank you for the hunger that's in the room. Lord, I thank you for the moment that people are just stirring in their hearts that, Lord, they want to draw closer to you. That, Lord, as we start this series, at the end of this series, For the rest of our lives, we want to be passionately seeking you. We want to have a different relationship with you. We want to be deeper in a walk with you. And so, Father, this morning, help us to realign our priorities. Help us to make the choice that we are not satisfied with just a partial transformation, but we want a full transformation with you, that Father God, we want to hand over control, that Lord, so many things in our lives we hang on to and we, we trust you, but we don't fully trust you. And so Lord, I pray that in our trust, you help us with our untrust and help us to hand it over to you this morning and walk out of here changed because we trust you knowing that you have the best for us. And Lord, I pray this week that people take me up on the challenge that Lord, we thank you for things and we ask you for your heart. Show us your heart. Show us the things that you desire. And help us, Father, get rid of ourselves and seek more of your Holy Spirit's presence. And so, Lord, today we give all of ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Service starts tonight at 630. If you want prayer, come. Come receive prayer. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.